Welcome to the Craft Food Podcast. I am your host, Chef Michelle Fox, a Brazilian firecracker, slow food chef, generational herbalist, and a farmer. I am excited to bring you a monthly dose of information and inspiration to create change in the way we see our food. I'll take you back when life was simpler and food didn't travel 3,000 miles to get to your mouth. In my fourth episode, I have a chill conversation with Heather Rubiales of Heather Hemp Alternatives. We talk about bioplastic, plastic use in the cannabis industry, the challenges on competing with giant corporations like the plastic industry, and so much more. I was left missing Humboldt County just a little bit more today. Heather, how's it going? So happy to have you here. Hi, good morning. Thank you, Michelle. Yeah, it's so, so amazing to have you here and that we met ourselves uh, on Instagram. Um, it's crazy how life works, right? Because we were living in the same tiny piece of land called Humboldt County and we never met. Right? Humboldt, I, oh, I just love Humboldt County so much. It's just such a, such a, mystical piece of land out here so it connects the best of us I think <laughs> yeah it's really really beautiful place I was there for about um, seven years um, and yeah. then my father-in-law uh, got sick and needed help so we moved back here to Washington but literally the sick of a, you know the the taking care of a family member is kind of the only thing that could have took me out of humble <laughs> Right. I know friends that come and go all the time, but they leave, they always come back. They always yeah. come back. <laughs> and I know you're not from there. So tell us, how did you make your way to the self-titled cannabis capital of the world? Well, I'm originally from San Diego, so I am a California native, um, but then I went to school in Luis Obispo, California, in Central California. Uh, and during that time was when I really just first stepped my toes into the cannabis industry because my partner was uh, growing for the dispensaries that were just 215 legal. So Harborside, um, where you just, you know, you had to have your medical card to go in. Um, so I um, partnered with him and started growing indoor. Uh, and then I always came up here. So every summer I would come up here and help him. He had 20 acres in Laytonville. So a little bit Southern from Humboldt County, so in Mendo. Um, and so, uh, I just loved the area, you know, right when I came up here, I remember rolling down that window, throwing my hand out of the car and be like, oh, just the trees and especially being from San Diego, you know, living in the desert, uh, basically uh, in, in the city life. It was just so magical for me and something that was so profound at that time that I knew I was going to live here. I knew it. I, you know, and it took me probably about seven years later to actually uh, find my roots in Humboldt. Uh, I ended up traveling for a while. I actually went on a permaculture farm. I'm sure you know Woofing. Um, yeah. Worldwide Opportunities on Organic Farms. So I ended up doing that for about a year and a half and really got immersed in permaculture, homesteading lifestyle. I went to Thailand and did it. I went to Italy and did it. Wow. Um, so then I ended up, you know, running out of money, not a dime to my name. So I had to come back down to San Diego and live <laughs> with my mother at 26. And let's just say it didn't work out very well. And 
my aunt who lives in Brookings, Oregon, you know, it's just right over the border here, about two and a half hours from Humboldt. Uh, she was living there at the time. And I was like, auntie, can I please come and live with you? I need to get out of San Diego. I knew some friends that were living in Humboldt County. So I'm like, well, let's start. I can go live there for free. And then I'll move my way up down to Humboldt County. Um, in about six months, I did it. Um, and so I've been here for about four years now, uh, living here. And um, But then it was about the time that legalization happened, right? So that was about three years ago now, four years ago. Four years. Um, so that's when I started to see the ton of the plastic waste just uh, really skyrocket and really is when I started my journey into creating Heather's Hemp Alternatives um, to, to fight against the plastic pollution, right? And right. Um, so that's kind of uh, how I ended up in Humboldt and kind of what started my journey into the hemp revolution. But actually I have to backtrack a little bit because when I was in college, I had... Um, I had read the Jack Herrera Emperor's No Clothes. And, um, and that book just was so fascinating, right? Um, it just how hemp can save the planet and through everything from paper to wood, to oil, to clothing, to plastics. And um, it was something that I truly, truly uh, cherish. And I wrote a, a, a research paper uh, I created a relic in ceramics and did a reliquary, um, but it wasn't until actually uh, I was living up here in Humboldt County and legalization had occurred and then there were tons of plastic waste. So then I took, I went back and the hemp can save the planet the hemp revolution, really the aspect of that just was like a light bulb, right? It was just a light bulb in my, in my brain, like, why aren't we using our own bio-waste as, as an industry, as a hemp industry, as a cannabis industry to package our own products in um, and not relying on the cannabis industry, right? Or not relying on the petroleum industry. Right. To, you know, um, so that's how I started, but I've always been much of a environmentalist, uh, much of a permaculturalist, homesteader, um, so I really wanted to actually utilize this company that I was, that I'm, that I'm creating um, to create something else, right? And that was to buy a huge piece of property to create an eco-village community of tiny little hemp homes, right? Made out of hemp wood, hemp insulation, nice. hemp creates, um, and have a large food forest, um, have medicinal uses. I think, you know, I read a lot about you and I love what you're doing, you know, really uh, promoting uh, sustainability and promoting and talking about the pesticides, um, talking about our food system that is extremely uh, disorienting our, our health as human beings and our biome. So this was something that uh, I think about all the time and every day. Uh, what's really pushing me to do Heather's Hemp Alternatives so I can have that. Right. Um, financial backup, using my passion to fulfill a purpose is that's, where that's a good yeah. secret right there. <laughs> yeah. And so for me, you know, when I moved to Humboldt, I was uh, slaving in the kitchens in San Francisco. And uh, <clears throat> whenever I had three, four days, five days or whatever, I'll get in my car and I 
come and trim with friends and and it was always like, oh my God, I can't wait, you know? And, but I had a kid that was in the school system and long story short, he decided to go live with his dad for a year, a year with me and a year with dad in Hawaii. And so that year I was like, oh my God, I don't have to be next to a school system. I can be anywhere. So that's when I did my jump. But um, for me, it was pretty hard to break the, you know, I had plenty of friends. I mean, I ended up working, um, I was the vendor coordinator for the uh, radio on the river. And I had, I was really connected and friends with people, but for me, it was really hard to break the barrier of that chauvinistic behavior that happens in the growing world. Um, it took me years to be taken serious, not, not as just a woman trying to learn from the big boys, like, oh, you can be, you know, um, a house mother, you can be this and that, but you can never make the recipes for, for the plants and this and that. So um, it took, it took a few years. Um, how was that experience for you? Oh, in terms of uh, just finding that, finding your community here, it's definitely, yeah. It's not easy. It's taken my honey and I both about three years to actually find that community, uh, to feel part of something. Um, it's, but it, it's the purpose. There's more purposeful, right? Your relationships. Right. It's not like the city life where there are so many people. It's easy to make friends, but how purposeful are they? Or right. um, here, it's like you may not see so many people so you want to the people that you do connect with you want to keep um that connection strong yeah that's that's very true i mean in a city and you know i used to live in a city not anymore um our next neighbor is like a mile away but um you know living in a city i remember just thinking like oh my god i have so many friends but in reality it was a lot of people that would see at bars or at parties and and there's not a sustenance and there's not a real sense of community just like i know a lot of people but not necessarily i could say those that's my community those are we're doing something together so yeah i miss that um, about humble a lot because you know so long um, everything was done you know hush hush and right. nobody could really talk about it so they're very very um, protective um, right. of their circles and their people and what they do so yeah I love humble I I just I just drove from here 17 hours um, to humble about I don't know, about a month ago, um, oh. just to see friends on the way and the way back. And I loved it. I was like, yes, I just miss, we're in kind of a high desert. Um, so mm -hmm. I miss those big giant trees and just, oh my God, it's beautiful. It's okay. like, it can get lonely sometimes, but I've been, yes. I, um, you know, I've been feeling grateful for it. Yeah, more more yeah there's, there's always something else to do there, right? It's like, there's, there's always more work to do. Um, yeah. which is great in so many ways but at the same time it can get a little lonely I totally get what you what you're saying <laughs> so hemp bioplastic right yeah. tell me what it is and how it's made for someone that right. don't necessarily you know know the industry kind of explain to like a 10 year old um what yeah. it is and how it's made oh I love yeah I like this uh, this question especially explaining to a 10 year old um so I use a marshmallow and crispy treat type of analogy. So you, everyone's had a marshmallow crispy treat, right? I mean, <laughs> yes. so you take your marshmallow cream, right? So that's called, that would, in a hemp bioplastic, that would be your polymer that we say. 
now you have your hemp herds. That would be your crispy treats, your little cereals. So you add your hemp herd, which is decorded from the hemp plant, um, basically stripping it uh, and then into little pieces, right? So those are hemp herds and you can make all different sizes, um, but you add those into a polymer. So polymers can be anywhere from you, still polypropylene. You could use um, algae-based, you could use potato starch. There's tons of different polymers on the market right now, but the specific polymer that we'll be using is a backyard compostable and marine biodegradable polymer. Nice. Um, so I was really, really, um, gone ho on this because I didn't want to create a product that was just going to become waste again. That was completely um, dismissed the mission of the company. The purpose, yeah. And I also, exactly. Um, or even make a product that was just industrial compostable, um, which is, you know, the majority of bioplastics on the market right now. Um, so we are going beyond that. So you can literally just throw our hemp bioplastic products into your home backyard compost. Um, so it's, it is expensive. And then this is our, our future goal is to create a polymer out of hemp. So you could have your hemp herds and now you have a polymer derived from the hemp plant itself. Um, now you have a hundred percent hemp. So this is, um, the, the end goal for hemp bioplastic. Um, but it's still not on the market right now. Um, hemp bioplastic, it'll been, you know, a few years in the industry since in, industrial hemp has been federally legalized here. Um, so it's still very new. Uh, so that's where we need some more engineering to come through to help us to get to that 100% hemp bioplastic. But at least we can take away the, the, the fossil fuel industry and create something out of our own bio-waste as an industry um, and make it backyard compostable. So it's all about your tools. Now that's what I think what we're facing as hemppreneurs, I think all of the hemppreneurs are facing right now in this hemp bioplastic industry is, and the biggest challenge for us is um, having to accommodate our high price of resin because we're competing with polypropylene resin, which is very cheap. Our resin is not cheap. Um, so we have to accommodate that with our injection molds, they're called, the tools. Um, uh, and create high cavities, which often entails a high capital investment in the very beginning. So it's in this game, it's often the chicken before the egg and hemp right. bioplastic. <laughs> um, but we've been in it for about two and a half years. So um, learning, learning every day more and more into this new industry. Beautiful. And then you do you grow hemp yourself? So no, I, act, I actually grow cannabis myself still, um, you know, just personal, um, but our hemp suppliers, it is all North American grown. A lot of the hemp is being grown in the industrial hemp for say hemp bioplastics purposes is being grown in the Midwest, a lot of it. Oh, wow. Very yeah. cool. And uh, when do you foresee having, because looking at your website, I see, you know, products to come. Um, when do you foresee that to start? Yeah, so it's been a, quite a journey getting this unit mold. So a unit mold is for our sample production run. And um, that is just got finalized. So our mold for that, our tool, as we call it, um, just got finalized. So now we're doing testing, making sure it's um, going to be flowing. The resin will be flowing okay. And then that's going to be sent to my manufacturers here in the USA. 
Um, and then we're going to start our first few thousand um, we're going to be bringing our first few thousand samples forward. Um, but to get to our full line of production, that's where uh, capital investment is still needed. Yeah. Right. Which is always the big part, right? Um, finding yes. an investment is huge. Um, I have a few contacts. Let's talk about it after and see if we can, if I can help you out on that, that would be great. Um, so living and working there, you know, in Humble for about seven years, I saw the not so green side of the cannabis industry. Yeah. And I'm sure so did you, like you mentioned before. Um, the, for me at that point was like the way get us, you know, I was mostly there before the whole thing. So um, yeah. the way everyone would just like run to the store to buy this big giant plastic jug of oh. fertilizer, um, yeah. even if the fertilizer inside of it was organic. Um, a lot of those were coming from thousands and thousands of miles away. I remember people being like, oh, you know, my cannabis is so great because I buy this product that comes all the way from Switzerland and da 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 da. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, so you got the plastic and then you got all that trucking and all that shipping, you know, all that carbon waste and all that. But then at the same time in your mind, you're still thinking, I'm growing something organic. So like there's a disconnect in between when that ingredient got to your hand and that is in food and in everywhere, right? When it got to your hand, but what was the trucking and, and how long did it take um, exactly. to get and how it got to you, you know, because exactly. yeah. And like, and so my question to you is, you know, how is HHA um, helping that? Not necessarily now, but what is the, what is, how do you feel like you're going to help that process and, and make it a little better or much oh, better? Great. Oh, great question. I, this is what I'm most excited about. You know, packaging is, is wonderful and all, but I really wanted to um, be able to help the regenerative, sustainable cannabis brands tell their mission all the way from cultivation to packaging, right? Bring a new element to what sustainable cannabis and hemp is looking like. Um, and that is entailing a new element called plastic free, right? So I wanted to, and I've talked to some amendment uh, companies that are really interested in uh, getting their amendments and hemp bioplastic, but to change over everything from the fertilizers to the greenhouse tarping, to the trellising, to, I mean, everything where they can really um, basically take this, take that, um, waste that they would rather that they would other put into the landfill that right. they can place back into their compost and and reutilize it reutilize. right that's my vision um so that is something that i am very excited about and what i think separates us from all of our competitors right is because they are just focused on packaging it's in their name that's why i don't have heather's have packaging it's heather's right. have alternatives because i really wanted to um, yeah, again, you know, help that eco mission for these brands all the way from cultivation to packaging. And I don't think it's a hundred percent true uh, to um, brand your company as regenerative or sustainable if we're still producing tons of plastic waste within that brand. Right. So 100%. yeah, and I think it gets what's happening. I think they're losing customers in their mission too when when it is in a plastic tube tube plastic little tube from china that's not recyclable and even if they 
had, you know, amazing regenerative sustainable practices such as Korean natural farming, such as no-tilling, dry farming, you can go on and on. But at the end of the day, that eco-conscious consumer won't see that. They don't see that farm. They're not walking on the farm. All they see is this polypropylene tube in front of their eyes in probably high quality cannabis. Right. But um, it's just, uh, I think it's really deterring the, the mission that they're trying to, to go down. Many, many of these companies, especially in Humboldt County. Um, but the issue here is too, is that there's not a lot of supply available. So when looking to uh, sustainable packaging, very, very, very few companies are actually on the market right now. Right. Um, so I think that um, it's in, especially with cultivation, I mean, cultivation is almost even non-existent at this point in terms of being eco-friendly. Right. So I think that it's uh, something that the supply chain is also, is also making these companies suffer, um, you know, and burying themselves in this plastic waste. Right. Yeah, and um, it's it makes so much sense. I mean, it feels like it defeats the purpose, right? I mean, you're doing all right all the way until it gets to that packaging, and then the consumer is literally just looking at the package first before anything, and then mm-hmm. doesn't get to see everything that you did before. So yeah, a big defeat the purpose right there. Um, so yeah, which is which is pretty crazy because I feel like to be able to become a farmer that is sustainable and regenerative, there is so much work. There's so much that needs to be done um, that again, like you say, it gets lost on that packaging, which is kind of a bummer. Um, yeah. you, you know, hemp, it's like an amazing plant. I think like, mm-hmm. I think that it's been pushed down in society and, you know, made it illegal for so long. Like it's, you know, and if people don't know that the um, hemp is the male counterpart of cannabis. Um, Another couple of things I found is that in 1941, Henry Ford used hemp to fuel his car. And it was also used to write the first constitution. You know, what happened? Like, mm-hmm. why didn't that become the main source of fuel? Why didn't that become yeah. the main source of paper? Like, I kind of have my idea, but I want, you know, I want to know what you have to say about that. Well, this is what I really studied in college. And I think what really lit my fire too is like, d- just to see the greed. Um, it's why cannabis is still illegal today um, is because of what happened back in 19, it was actually 1933 was the Marijuana Tax Act. So you have companies, you have people like William Randolph Hearst, who was part of the newspaper industry, right? So he relied on trees. He looked at hemp as a huge, huge, huge competitor because it was. Um, then you have DuPont industry, who is the plastics, right? They looked at hemp. They knew hemp was going to destroy the plastics industry. Um, so that's why they ended up creating, um, they're called the yellow papers. So back then the media was just simply in the newspaper um, saying that cannabis was being smoked by um, the blacks and the Hispanics. Um, and they were and they were making these basically nonsense stories about. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, that, they were just terrified of hemp basically, um, you know, out competing the industries like the paper industry and the plastics industry. 
Um, I like I like I like to say is you we are competing against one of the biggest mafias in the world, and that is the plastics industry. That's the oil industry. Um, they control the world. I have to say so. Um, that's what hemp was. That it that was and is what hemp is competing against. Um, right. So I think it all just is greed. It's all it all is because of greed. Isn't yeah. that a sad thing? I mean, you know, talking about food in general, like all the all the chemicals we're literally eating on food. Um, oh, it's just horrible. just because it's cheaper. There's no mm-hmm. other way to say it, you know, and I, I, I say this a lot and it, it, it saddens me to say, but it is true until the day, you know, corporations um, stop farming people mm-hmm. and start farming, you know, good ingredients and hemp and things that actually uplift the world instead of destroy it. Um, we're doomed, you know, which oh. is very sad. I think in order to solve this crisis, um, we need to change the way we think about the interconnection between our environment and human health. And I don't think that we um, make initiative uh, enough to look at this. Um, And I think like we've never ever seen such an explosion of chronic disease in our our lifetimes. Right. Um, We have a health crisis on our hands and it's directly related to our food systems. Well, I personally believe that um, that food industry that decides to put all those heavy metals and, you know, carnauba wax and and yellow 40 and corn syrup, all that into the food Mm -hmm. are kind of in cahoots with the pharmaceutical companies because they are, you know, again, farming people to get them sick and then from there, you know, the person spent all this money getting sick, buying all this, you know, crappy food that they thought that was healthy sometimes even because the verbiage keeps changing and they keep greenwashing it. Um, and then they get passed into the pharmaceutical um, and healthcare, which, you know, here it goes. You're again a client and you're going to spend, you know, who knows how sick you are, tens to hundreds of thousands of dollars until you pass away. So it's pretty, it's pretty sad, but it's really nice to see that we as a generation, our age, the 40s and the 30s, and even the younger, we are starting to realize, hold on, this is good for who? Who, yeah. who, who is getting the benefit of this, right? Um, exactly. So, so it's really important. And so one last thing I wanted to talk to you and see what you think hemp through the process of phytoremediation, um, the roots the roots of the hemp plant digs deep into the contaminated soil and absorb harmful chemicals. Like I'm thinking, you know, hemp should be used as a cover crop to clean up all the Roundup and all the chemical that being dumped in our soils like every day. Um, when you talk to do your Midwest, um, you know, farmers and hemp farmers, do you hear about them doing initiatives like that or anything around those um, around those lines? Um, you know, I've heard a lot about how hemp can clean up the soil, and I haven't heard anything in detail about my specific uh, hemp supply. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would love that to to uh, go in depth with into that. That would be 
really, really interesting. Yeah, let's make that a call to action then. Maybe because you have a contact with, you know, you in this amazing position to have contacts with uh, many farmers um, in the United States that already grow hemp, that maybe there's a way for them to start helping the people that, you know, because there's a lot of people out there that have been growing in the same place for hundreds of years, sometimes tens of years, and they just don't know how to get out of that cycle right? Because their ground, the, the soil's already right. filled with chemicals. So maybe that is the step one um, to start, you know, going away from dust bowls and going back into regenerating the soil before we can throw um, good nutrients and compost and bee permaculture, all of that. We first need to clean that soil out of all exactly. that crap that got dumped in there. Yeah, I, I think that would hemp would be an amazing, amazing plant for that because it's not water intensive either. Right. So, and you don't have to use any pesticides. Um, you can really grow a lot of it in a very small, small space. So sounds like you're talking um, about it, weeds. <laughs> yeah, basically, and yeah, it, it, weed. <laughs> yeah, I, that's it. Oh, you just brought a light bulb into my brain. I just love it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Awesome. Okay. So we're coming to the end of the recording. I do a little quick fire round. Um, four questions. I had five and one just disappeared. So we're doing four today. Uh, four questions for you and respond to me pretty quickly. Um, just whatever comes out in your brain. Number one, if you could mass produce one hemp product right now, what would it be? Ah, uh, 100% hemp bioplastic. Ah, I figured. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can make so many products out of that. Amazing. Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> In a couple of words, send a message to your future self. To my future self? Mm -hmm. You did it. You did it. Nice. I was thinking like in the lines of never give up, but you're just going straight to like, you totally got it. You did it. I love the way you think. This is great. <laughs> Um, okay, number three, are you willing to partnership with venture capital and blockchain companies to grow your business reach? Yes, definitely. Always looking to see what opportunities are out there. Um, I'm always negotiable, negotiating with terms. So I, yeah, just let me know and um, I feel, feel free to connect with me. I love to, to see what negotiations are out there. Very cool. Number four, if you're giving one wish to change one thing in the world right now, what would it be? I would completely take out the oil industry. <laughs> that would be my one wish. You probably need a bodyguard now. <laughs> oh, I'm already, I'm already thinking they're hearing me. That's why I talk about, I'm like, they already know. Yeah, me too. I'm like, okay, you know where I am sorry people say I'm we can't live without plastic um, or people say we can't live without oil out the, without the oil industry I've had a lot of people rebuttal that but I'd have to um, I'd have to challenge them on that I because agree. I know I know we can we have I agree it's not just because <laughs> it's how we always done it is how it has to be done forever right like progress and uh, let's you know let's figure it out the the mistakes of our last generation and let's make it different and better. Exactly. Cool. Thank you so much, Heather. Um, do, you, do you have any message out there um, for, you know, investors, people, where to find you? Um, what are you looking for? Throw a little, you know, 
bad alert out there for people? <laughs> yeah, I would just say, I mean, honestly, my one thing is if you're passionate about something, don't give up, find those that are doing it and, and don't stop. Don't be scared. Um, and you can find me at my Instagram's Heather's Hemp Alternatives. Uh, my personal is Ruby Doobie. That's where I have a lot of nature photography and more of my homesteading garden. Um, and um, you can email me, heathershempall at gmail.com. But yes, um, this was just a lovely conversation, Michelle. And thank yeah, you. So I appreciate it. Yeah, it's so fun. It's amazing that we never met, but now we have because we have done a Zoom yes. together. It's the new meet yes. of Corona, yes. you know, type times. Okay, cool. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. What a fun conversation. It literally felt like we we're sitting in a porch together, sipping on tea. Um, if you'd like to connect with Heather and check out her great work, her Instagram is Heather Hemp Alternatives. There's an S in between Heather and Hemp. And Alternatives, there's an S at the end also. And if you have comments or questions, my DMs are always open at Michelle the Fox, or you can always email me on my website at www.michellethefox.com. Two L's and two E's. Talk to you soon.